Hey guys, welcome to yet another edition of the Red Wall Podcast. I'm your host, per usual. My name is Marcelo Inestroza, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 93, entitled Spider Monkey. Alright guys, and um, I also would like to welcome you to a brand new season of the Red Wall Podcast, season 5. Um, I would just like to say thank you for joining me for as long as you have, and for any new listeners out there that I might have, welcome to this crazy podcast that is essentially the interesting conversations that I have with uh, people, uh, problems that I have, I, I, you know, I tell interesting stories that have occurred in my life, I tell, you know, the challenges and tribulations that I go through as a disabled screenplay writer. And I do hope that you find something interesting as we go through the 23 straight weeks that will be uh, season five of the Red Wall podcast. And for this inaugural episode, I decided to do uh, something of a sequel to the season premiere of the show for last season. I had an I had an individual on that episode that I you know I, I spoke to him about religion. His name is Doug Lyon or or no his name is Doug Lyon because he's not dead. His name is Doug Lyon. And in this uh um season premiere I speak to his sister Deanna Lyon and we talk about uh her early life growing up the way that she dealt with her mother, who is in fact my aunt, and she's come up several times on the show. Uh, and you know, and, and, and if you've been a longtime viewer, I don't need to explain to you what trials and tribulations, to use that word again, I have gone through trying to understand her mother. But she goes into detail about some of the troubles that she had with her mother, with her mother growing up, specifically during middle school and high school, she talks about love. She talks about being a teacher, and she talks about her views and some of her thoughts on uh, marijuana and cannabis. So, with that being all said and done, I really hope that you guys enjoyed the conversation that we had because I thought that it was really good. Welcome to the Redwall Podcast. Deanna Lyon, it's a pleasure to have you here. Hello, it's a pleasure to be featured on this podcast. I'm so excited. Yeah, well, um, we've actually wanted to, we've actually wanted to do this for a long time, but you know, our schedules could never line up, and I, it was it was nice that we were finally able to put something together here today. Yes, absolutely. We have been talking about this for a while. If you guys at, at home are wondering. Uh, what's so special about this individual and why the hell is she on the show? Uh, well, this individual is the sister of the young strapping gentleman that I had on as the special guest for the premiere of my last season. So this strapping young woman is the sister of Dougie Lyon. So technically, technically, well, I guess not technically, we are family. You know, I just wanted to have like a like a really off the cuff conversation with you because you know although we are family we've never actually sat down and talked re- 
really talk. So I think that this was partly an excuse to, you know, just to get you down and just prick your brain on a, on on some things that I've always been curious about. And, you know, you can pick my brain on some things that you've always been curious about if that comes up at all. Um, but where I want to start with you is tell me a little bit about your early childhood and, and what was it like growing up? Well, um, I have to say that, you know, I have memories from a really young age, I'd say. A lot of them start with my house, of course, which you've been to many times, um, in my backyard. And, you know, generally, I said I, I had a really good childhood. I was very happy, um, loved to play outside, loved to go to the beach or even over to your place, you know, whether that was on uh, Stormy Town Road, right, or um, you know, various places throughout our lives that you've lived, um, and just having, you know, dinners with Mima and Tata was always such a good time. And, um, yeah, you know, really fond memories when I think to my early childhood. Um, and then as I got older, I feel like this is pretty typical with girls, especially like middle school, high school, rough patches, I would say. Um, especially with my mom, like you were asking about, you know, my, your aunt, who's my mom. Um, we did not like each other <laughs> in high school. Do you remember that? We fought a lot. Maybe we, maybe we kept it under the carpet, but we fought a lot. Guys, you guys were always really good at keeping what you guys were going through to yourselves. I mean, if you guys fought, you guys really didn't display it that much, but our family has a habit of, we don't, <laughs> Our family does not like to show emotions on our face. Yeah. Um, and our family typically doesn't like to have deep, meaningful conversations. I mean, I do. But mm -hmm. our, fami our, our family typically doesn't do that. So hearing you say that now is really a surprise to me that you had that rough period with, with my aunt, your mom. A lot of disagreements, I think, especially transitioning from middle school to high school. I really wanted to go to the public school because in my mind, that was like, you know, normal um, rather than staying in the public or sorry, the private schools, especially Catholic school. Like I wasn't even sure even to this day, like, you know, what my spiritual beliefs are, religious beliefs are. Um, so at the time, I really just wanted to go to Austin Public High School. My parents. I think disagreed about that a lot and especially disagreed with me about that. So then, you know, ultimately I ended up going to Kennedy um, and I was upset. I was, I was crying. I was pissed. You know, I, I was mad about that, but it ended up, I think being good for me. Um, I did well there and you know, that's what got me into Penn state. Um, so it ended up, you know, it ended up okay. Going into, you know, my later, I guess, what would you call it? Adolescence, like 17, 18, 19, 20, that time period. Obviously there was a big change with my family and my parents splitting up. Um, and that is actually, you know, even though there's a lot of pain and hurt that came from that, I'd say the greatest thing about it is how drastically my relationship with my mom changed. Like to this day, that is like something I'm so grateful for is how much closer we got because she was then the, like, I needed to be there for her, you know, like I needed to kind of grow up and stop being like, you know, a dramatic little teenager and be there for my mom. So that really like, 
I'll never forget the day when I kind of like realized how hurt she was. And I just kind of, I hugged her. And from that day on, we became best friends. Yeah, it was, yeah, she was crying. I was crying. That was probably um, in my senior year of high school. Um, So yeah, ever since then, you know, of course she annoys me sometimes still. (laughs) She annoys all of us sometimes, but, but, you know, since then we really enjoy each other's company, like us living together. It's really just us two, you know, Dougie's in Houston. Um, you know, everything's good now. So we definitely took, you know, we had some serious ups and downs and then ended, ended up being best friends. Let me just take you through the events from my point of view. It was Mm -hmm. like, our life was one day, our life was something this day. And then when I turned halfway around, our life was upside down. I was told in a rather nonsensical sort of less, uh, uh, sort of lackadaisical way. I walked into, uh, Dutta's room one day and he had just gotten off the phone with your mother and all he said, he said nothing else. I said, what the hell is going on? And I'm like, and he said, Carmen's getting a divorce. And I'm like, it, it just took him and I'm like, what, 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 like where, why? I don't, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand. And the funniest thing about it was, look, I'm an adult. I don't, I don't need to be sat down and, and talked to about what this means. I can, I can process, but nobody in the family said, how do you feel about this? Or what do you think about this? So I was sort of left to sort of govern my feelings on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I look, your father is, was, or is very important to me because your father taught me almost everything I know about sports. Some of my, some of my, some of my cherished memories that I have with the family include your dad. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't, you know, I couldn't rationalize why he did what he did, but I'm like, look, look, he's human. He obviously made a mistake and he did what he did. I'm not going to sit here and, and, you know, soil his good name. Yeah. For, you know, for, for mm-hmm. what he means to me and, and, and for, and for those treasure memories and everything that he taught me. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I was just, just in shock and I was really impressed by the way that your mom handled it because she didn't she didn't let on that there was a problem until she had to. Yeah. And I think that that shows the strength of that shows the fortitude and the strength that your mother had dealing with the situation. Because a lot of people would just shrink. Yeah. And your mom didn't. Yeah, no, she is such a strong lady. I will say from the inside, you know, being here in the house with them, uh, it was definitely not good. And again, I wouldn't, I I totally agree with, you know, I love my dad so much. He is such a great man still to this day. Like I still see him, obviously I go to his house for dinner and same with Dougie and, you know, we do things together. Um, But uh, I obviously, I, I don't think I, I don't, I never thought like I saw it coming, but then looking back, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You know what I mean? They didn't, I guess they just didn't love each other anymore. They didn't like hug. They weren't happy. You know, they were, they barely talked to each other. Um, and then, you know, they did, I don't think they even talked about it very much. Cause like you said, our family does not <laughs> like have these deep talks or show emotion. So it was kind of like, 
it just happened. And that was, I mean, that's a whole other topic, you know, how I feel, how no one, my dad, especially never asked me how I felt about it or what I thought about it. You know, it was what he did and he did. And it was kind of quick. Honestly, I went to my freshman year of college and during my first semester is when he moved out. So I wasn't really there for like, you know, the day he left or anything like that. Um, but I came home and he wasn't, you know, living here anymore. So that was honestly a really hard time. Um, I guess whether I think about it that way or not, because I also was in college and I also was having fun in that sense, you know, I was at school, I had friends, um, I was studying and so that, you know, a lot of distractions, I guess you could say. Um, but yeah, my mom, she was super, super strong. I think that's another part too. I didn't really see her kind of in the aftermath because I was away at college for most of those four years after. So, you know, whenever I came home, it was always like fun. You know, we always wanted to like go out to dinner, have you guys over. Um, so, but I think even, I think to this day, she, there's a part of her that still is a little bit sad, but I think also every day she is happier and happier. And, you know, right now, of course, she's living her best life in Chile. <laughs> so, you know, every, I think I do truly believe everything happens for a reason. And one of the reasons that I have found, or one of the good things that I have found is the relationship with my mom that came out of it all. Your mom is very special to me. I love your mom, of course, because, because it's a rule of thumb people. I mean, you can have all types of people in your family, but no matter how much they annoy you or how much you want to throw them under a bus <laughs> in specific points in your friendships, family's family. You can never cross family or, or so we thought. You originally wanted to go into business, right? I did. Um, I think mostly because I didn't really know what else to do. And I knew that my dad did business, like the business kind of, you know, and I knew that he was successful and I was like, well, I want to have money. So I guess that's what I'm going to do. But that burned quickly. <laughs> I did not, you know, I think to, to do business and be like a businessy, economic, financial type of person, you have to think in a certain way and kind of almost, I don't know, you have to, I think you have to, first of all, be interested in it, in it to understand it better. And I just like, wasn't interested and didn't understand it. The classes I took, like, yeah, of course I took like a very general, like business management class, my first semester. And that was fine. Um, but then I took a supply chain management class and that's when it started to lose me. Excel sheets and numbers was like, and I was never strong at math, so that didn't help either. But you're preaching to the choir because I'm awful at math. <laughs> who was the one, and I think I know this, but I'm going to ask it anyway for the sake of the court. Who was the one that sort of said, you know what, this business thing isn't working out for you? Were, were you the one that made that call or did you talk to your mom and say, mom, I need some help. I need some guidance. What do you yeah. think? Where should I go next? Yeah, absolutely. So I finished that first semester. Was it my first semester? My It was my second semester of my freshman year. So the end of freshman year, my GPA was not good, really. Um, and I said to my mom, I called her, I was crying again, a lot of crying. <laughs> life. Um, and I was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know why I'm here. Like, I'm in college, but for what? Like, you know, I don't understand I don't know what to do. And she was, and she convinced me about to be a teacher. You know, she was like, Deanna, you think about it. You've always babysat. You've always been a camp counselor. You've always loved working with kids. Like you should do what you love and you'll be happy. You'll live a happy life. 
Um, if you don't, you're going to be miserable. She's like, think about how miserable you are right now. And you know, you don't like what you're doing. That's not, you can't live like that. And you're also, you can't be good at something if you're not passionate about it, I think. Right. Like if you want to be, not that I want to be like the best teacher, you know, or like become like a principal or, I mean, it'd be cool, but I think, um, be like enjoying it has made it so much easier to do grad school, to continue learning about it, to continue growing as a professional in my career, you know? Um, so yeah, thank God she helped me realize that because, um, I don't know. I really don't know what else I would have done. Maybe like communications or something like that, but I don't know. I feel very lucky even to this day, my friends, like today I had a snow day and my friends were like, Oh my gosh, like, why didn't I become a teacher or they, you know, they'd make jokes. I want to be you when I grow up. <laughs> so it's good. Isn't, uh, isn't Mary Kate like a doctor or something? She just became a nurse. She switched careers. She went to college for, um, fashion, like fashion, kind of like fashion business. And she went to Maris. This is my best friend, by the way, for those listening, um, uh, my best friend since elementary school. Um, and then she went to work for American Eagle, like in the corporate building in Manhattan. And she hated it. She said people were nasty. It was like high pressure. She, even the commute itself, she didn't like. Some people love it. You know, some people love that city rush, you know, New York City life. She did not like it. Um, and then she decided to change careers when her grandma started getting really sick. And she went for nursing. She went back to an accelerated nursing school program. And um, she just graduated in maybe about six months ago. She graduated her program and she just got a job at um, um, the Maria Ferreira uh, Children's Hospital for, for oncology, like for kids with cancer. So it's sad, but she loves it. She really loves it. She loves being with the kids, too. So, but yeah, um, no, she, so she's a nurse. Yeah, but she's not going to take that next step into getting the the MD tag or is she just happy? No, I don't think so. I think that's a lot more schooling. Um, so I think she's just going to stay as a nurse, which I think, you know, from what I hear, I have another, I have another friend who's a nurse, Maddie. Um, I think they make really good money. I mean, my mom too, especially because, and their schedule is nice. They have three days a week, you know, 12 hour shifts, but then they can do overtime. And there's a lot of options with it too. A lot of flexibility, a lot of different types of nursing. So she's really happy. Yeah. I'm excited to become a doctor. It's eight years of medical school, uh, another another four or five years of residency, and then you start your yeah. practice. Were your parents always very, very stern with you? Like you need to get a good ed- education to, 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 to function as a proper member of society? Um, absolutely. And which it was frustrating because I wasn't, well, in my mind, I wasn't like good at school. Like I, it didn't come easy to me. Like it did for my brother. I'd say for Dougie, like not saying he never studied. Cause I know he studied really hard, but I feel like for him, he could understand like the math and the science and the engineering and all that so much more easily than I could. Um, so while they were very strict about school, um, especially like getting to high school. Did I do all my work? Not really. (laughs) Um, especially Kennedy was not the greatest school. So, you know, a lot of my friends would like print out the answers to the tests and like bring them to the class and things like that. Yeah. So I think for me and 
I think Dougie has changed a lot as he's gotten older. I think I was always more like the street smarts, common sense type. Like I could like, you know, social skills type where Dougie was more like the book smart guy. Now I think Dougie's both, obviously Um, he's, you know, well, well well-rounded, but I think what got me to be so successful in school wasn't necessarily that I was the best student, but that I could, I don't know, find other ways to figure it out. If that makes sense. Could, you know, could you just say there was like a day or a moment uh, during your education where you said you sort of just woke up and everything got a little easier for you? Not so easy, but just a little easier. Um, I think definitely once I switched my major in college um, and I was taking classes about like to be a teacher, I was taking classes on um, they call it like pedagogy, like kind of approaches to teaching you know, teaching us how children's minds work and uh, strategies that help kids be able to remember things and learn things. Once I got to that point, I think this goes with the piece of like enjoying it that I, you know, I didn't wake up and feel like, oh my God, I have to go to school and do all this crap that I don't care about or understand. You know, at that point it was like, oh, I could see the clear connection between why it was important for me to learn it, how to learn it and how to be successful. That's another piece. When you're successful with something like, you know, uh, for, for me, like I like writing when you work so hard and then you get a good grade, it's very motivating at that point. You're like, okay, I, I, if I did well on this, I can do it again and do well on it again, you know? Um, so I would say, you know, short answer is when I switched my major in college and started taking those education classes, uh, it kind of all made sense for me at that point. When it's all said and done, when you eventually retire from your current career, what, as a teacher, what do you want your students to take away from their experience having you as a teacher? I know your kids are kind of young and I don't know Mm -hmm. if you're going, I I don't know if at some point you're going to level up, but what ultimately as a teacher, what do you want your students to take away from uh, uh, their time under you? This is something I've definitely thought about, especially with me teaching fifth grade for the first time this year, right? Like I've never taught fifth grade before. So sometimes I'm like in the middle of teaching and I'm like, crap, <laughs> what am I teaching? Like, <laughs> like you know, that show, Are You Smarter Than a Fifth Grader? Like sometimes I'm like, oh, let's Google that. You know, so <laughs> I don't, at this point, my expectation for myself, I think is pretty realistic. Like I may not be the best like content teacher. Like I may not know all the facts about, you know, the planets or whatever I'm teaching them. Um, so I, what I want them to remember about me is like just how they felt in their experience in the classroom, especially you got to think about for kids right now, like with COVID, it is so not normal for them. Like we grew up in like, I think we were very lucky that we grew up without like TikTok and like so much social media in our faces all the time. Like these kids, first of all, have that effect. They're always like at the palm of their hands, like, you know, the speed of videos and everything is like brainwashing. But then COVID, like COVID, they're so like, I have students who already have anxiety, like over germs and like, some of my students have been testing positive and missing 10 days of school, like things like that. And not being able to have like, they, I'm not allowed to group their desks together. Like they have to be in rows, like three feet apart, like everything, you know, the masks, hand sanitizing all the time. So 
regardless of all that, what I want them to remember is that they were happy and that like I made them feel happy. You know, I want them to be like, oh, Miss Lyon, like she was cool or she was a great teacher. Like I had fun in her class. If that's what they remember, like I'll take it, you know, um, or even if they just remember me at all, because a lot of my teachers, I mean, I don't have the best memory. I know you have really good memory, but a lot of my teachers, I like, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what I did with that teacher. Like there's a couple, like, actually, this is a funny story that I'll, I can touch on really quick. The, t- the other fifth grade teacher that I'm working with was my fifth grade teacher. And she was my favorite teacher. Like she was the best teacher I had. And I just remember her being like, just so easy to understand, like the way she spoke and the way she like just held herself around the classroom, like was, she was like young and she's pretty and things like that. Like, I just liked her presence and I just liked being at school with her. Like, that's all it came down to, you know, there's other teachers, especially like I said, at my Catholic private school who are like old nuns and scary, like, you know, I didn't want to be there. So just, you know, just being, just them enjoying being in the classroom is really all I can ask for as I get better at teaching, you know, I want them to have big academic gains. Like maybe the kid who starts off the lowest ends up doing really well. That's hard to do. That's something that, you know, I'm trying my best, but I don't know if I can do that for every single student. With everything that's going on in the world right now, so many students have like really bad anxiety. Have you come across a problem during a session in class where you sort of have to like calm down a specific student? Like because you because you see him sort of unraveling for, for whatever reason? Definitely, yeah. Um, not so much like any type of like COVID anxiety attacks, but I have seen my students, like this is really sad. This just happened yesterday. One of my students, her two of her grandpas died just this school year. And, you know, she's young. She's 10 years old. Um, one of them died her mom's dad died maybe um, like two months ago, maybe not even. And then another one of her grandparents died, her dad's dad, like this past week. And so I have the kids do a lot of journal writing and especially after the weekend, like they had a three-day weekend for Martin Luther King Jr. Day. So yeah, my students had a three-day weekend. So, and I teach English language arts. So I I just did a warm up with writing a journal entry about their three-day weekend and I give them some like some outline, like some structure. So I said, write one highlight from your weekend, like one of the best parts and why it was the best part and one challenging or hard part of your weekend and why. And I'd never force them to share out if they want to. That's great. You know, it helps helps them socialize in the classroom. Like I said, they can't be grouped together. So if they can hear their classmates sharing about themselves, a lot of them connect that way. So this girl, I had already knew her, her grandpa passed away because her mom emailed me and she wanted to share out. And I said, you know, are you sure you want to share out? You don't have to, if you don't want to, she's like, no, I want to, she probably wanted her friends to know what she was going through. So she started reading her journal thing. And she said, the hardest part was my grandpa passing away. And she started crying hysterically. Like she just like broke down and was crying like so hard. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I went over to her and I was like, you know, I just rubbed her again. I'm not even supposed to hug them, but because of COVID, but I did anyway, because you know, sometimes yeah. you have to. Yeah. Sometimes somebody needs a little help. Yeah. And, you know, somebody gets like that. You don't have either. You can just stand there and look like an insensitive prick, or you can actually do something to help somebody. Wow. That's right. crazy. How did yeah. everybody, how did everybody else around in the class react? It's like, did, well, did actually, they... 
you know what triggered it? This this actually, I, I just forgot this detail. Another student, so the girl shared out her journal and she said the hardest part was my grandpa died and she got sad. Another girl raised her hand and said, didn't your grandpa just die? <laughs> so that was like a reminder that now two of them died, right? So she started crying hysterically and I just went over to her and I said, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Um, you know, we're all here for, for you. Like, and I do teach them religion because I have to for Catholic school. And I said, you know, we'll pray for you. We'll pray for your family. But unfortunately, this is a part of life. But, you know, we're all here for you. And then she was like, still hysterically, like, so I took her outside in the hallway. And I just hugged her again. And I said, you know, you can take a walk down the hallway, get some water, and then come back when you're feeling better. And she did. And she was fine. But yeah, yeah, that was sad. And then um, there's been some other cases, too. Um, this is more like that. I mean, that's obviously something to be upset about, whether you are anxious or not. You know, that's something sad. This is a case of a student who I think was just like very high strung, very anxious about a about her schoolwork. Like she thought that she missed a homework assignment. Like as we were going around checking everything, she was like confused about what it was. So she thought she didn't do it. And she started like shaking and crying. And I was like, it's okay. Like, and that's another thing, you know, I don't want my students to think I'm like this, like inhumane psycho. Like I actually like can understand that sometimes you forget to do your homework, like, you know, and so, you know, just, I tried to, you know, I calmed her down and I said, it's okay. You know, it's, that happens. It's a mistake. You know, I forgot my homework too sometimes. And she was like, really? And I was like, yes, I'm a normal human. I'm not like, you know, I'm not like superwoman. I'm I'm just trying, and that's, I just try to relate to them and let them know that they, they can trust me and talk to me and not be scared of me. Because I think that's one thing I grew up with in the private Catholic schools is like that scare, that scare factor, like, oh, like you can't not do your homework or you're going to get yelled at by the nuns, you know? So. Well, look, I've known you your entire life and I've never seen you physically, physically lose it. I've seen you, I've seen you be pissed. (laughs) <laughs> but I've never seen you sort of unhinged, so that would be a sight to behold. So That's good. I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I'm not wishing that it happens one day. But if it does happen one day, I'll be like, "Ooh, this is what Diana looks like when she completely <laughs> loses her mind." Um, yeah. Now, if I just could, I want to talk to you a little bit about your love life. Just who was the first person that you really had, you know, intense feelings for? Like it wasn't just. Oh my God, it looks so hot. I want to kiss him. Like, who was the first person that said that, you know, you saw and you were like, wow. So that's a tough question. I would say, so this is something I've talked about with my friends before. Um, Obviously I've had a couple of boyfriends and obviously they were not the ones leading up to Steven. Now we're not, you know, the greatest guys I can now say, having been away from the relationship which I'm totally open and honest with myself about, you know, I think it's okay. Sometimes I've been hard on myself about that, but I think it's fine because they always say you can't have regrets because every decision you've made leads you to where you are, you know, in the present day. So um, I think, you know, I would say my more serious relationships were in college. Um, I don't want to say names just in case (laughs) they listen, but I don't, I don't know if they will, but just in case I won't say names, but um, I thought that my two relationships in college were very serious. Like I thought I was in love with both of them. Um, The first guy cheated on me terribly, like so messed up. 
Um, and then the second one, I think the second one I would attribute our ultimate breakup to me outgrowing him. I was older than him. I was a grade older than him, not by much, but I think he was just immature at the end. Um, and I just wanted to be an adult, you know? Um, however, let me say that with both of those relationships, they were also college relationships. So there was, I would say like a lot of immaturity involved as far as like partying and, the reason I kind of got together with these guys was I would meet them at the frat parties and they were like, cool guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? And um, I don't know. It's hard to say because Penn state going to Penn state, it was like not the real world at all. Yes. I thought I was in love with them now being older. I can kind of step away from that and see, and see now that like, it wasn't real, you know, it wasn't like mature, I guess. And I guess now being in the relationship I'm in now, it's totally night and day. Like this feels like the real deal now. But you've never had um, that. You've never had a relationship where it was sort of like toxic and you were sort of codependent on one another. You, you've always had semi, mm. semi controllable or semi okay experiences uh, dating people. Uh, I don't know. The first one, the first guy, the one who cheated on me, uh, I should have I never talked to him again after that, clearly, but it was definitely toxic. It was definitely, I think he was a very toxic person. I think he had a lot of issues that led him to just not leave me alone. Like, you know, obviously I was hurt and I, would, and I said, I never want to talk to you again. All those things, you know, leave me alone, screw you. You know, you're the worst, all those things. But he wouldn't let me go, which I think then made it become toxic. Like he was like, I made a mistake. It's not like me. It's because I'm going through stuff and blah, blah, blah. And like, literally like this went on, like this on and off in toxicity for like two years. Like it was really bad. And I should have been stronger. Uh, I think to never like to the, after the first time cheating, obviously just to never talk to him again. Um, but I think it was just, toxic and granted the time of my life this was right after you know my own family turmoil which I think didn't make me the uh expert (laughs) on you know relationships and what's right and what's wrong so um and you know it also goes back to the fact that I thought that I was in love with the person I was so hurt but you know hearing them say I'm sorry I want you back all that stuff anyone falls for that for that crap you know like I'm sure many, most people who have gotten even in just an argument with their partner or, you know, whoever wants to take them back once they say they're sorry and profess their love for you, you know? So. Yeah. I'm curious, like, as you were just going through all this relationship garble and relationship rigmarole, Mm -hmm. did you confide? Well, this seems impossible to me because I know your mother and I would never do this. Um, did you like say to mom, I'm going through this shit right now and I need help? Or did you sort of just say, there's no fucking way I'm going to tell her and I'm going to just talk to my friends about this? Or are you that type of person that says when you have a problem, you sort of just sit on it and solve it yourself? Um, I think I, I definitely did tell her some aspects of it because kind of actually like opposite of my mom and some of my family members, I actually am... I do very much wear my heart on my sleeve. Like 
So if when I was upset at times or like sad about him at times, like especially over the summers in between semesters when I'm home, whatever, like I would be clearly in a bad mood or, or, you know, sad or affected by it somehow. So I did to an extent have to communicate with my mom about that. Um, I guess the worst part, the hardest part with this guy was that like, we would be together and then we were broken up for a while and then we were back together and then we were broken up again. So that's always like, that was, I remember being like embarrassing kind of to have to tell my mom, cause he also didn't live around here. So to see each other when we weren't at school, he'd have to come visit or I'd have to go there. Um, so I'd have to tell her cause that, you know, I have to tell her where I'm going. So, um, that was tough. I remember there was one time that me and this guy were arguing over the phone and I was like, again, it was toxic. He made me feel like I did something wrong, but I don't think I did. So I was like, I have to go there. And the state was New Jersey. So not far, but it was like an hour and a half to go there. And my mom was like, no, stop. Like this has got to stop. Like she was like, you're going crazy. (laughs) Like you're crying. You should not have to go drive to this guy. Like this is ridiculous. Like he shouldn't, first of all, shouldn't be making you feel this way. Second of all, shouldn't be making you like chase him all the time. Um, So yeah, I guess I did. I did talk to her about it when I kind of had to, you know what I mean? Like when it got to a point where it was like obvious that something was wrong. Reason why I brought up the romantic garble is because I want to get to a specific place. Mm-hmm. Um, I, when, you know, and this is probably, this is probably the first time you're going to hear this. I don't, I don't think I've ever told you the specific way that it happened. Mm-hmm. I've always, um, I've always chose the wrong person. I've always been interested. I could in the say the same people. thing for myself. <laughs> well, well, yeah. I've I've always chose the wrong person. I've I've always fallen for the wrong person. And for example, the love of my life um, is she is a bit of a stuck up bitch. And you know she's <laughs> she is don't worry she has come up multiple times on the show. So the listeners know about this individual. This is not this is not the first time that. I've talked about her, but it was really frustrating to me that when I went, when I went through the whole rigmarole with this specific individual, your mom, for some reason, when she got told by another individual what I was doing and, and how I was behaving towards this individual, your mom didn't come to me and talk to me about it. Instead, Mm. She had Tata come to me and talk about it. She, instead, she had Tata come to me and say, listen, the way that you're behaving and the conversations that you're having with this individual is inappropriate. You need to stop. So I'm like, okay, first of all, I was really upset because your mom sort of took what this, what this individual's mother said at heart. And she, it was like she didn't believe me. It was like she was like, oh, he's crazy and he does shit like that. And I'm not going to I don't want to deal. I don't want to deal with this. So I'm going to send my dad to deal with this. Mm -hmm. And that really hurt me because it felt like she kind of threw me under the bus. And look, as much as I love your mom, I do love your mom. You know this. Mm -hmm. But that's something I will never forgive her for. Mm Because she look, I've always wanted to have a closer relationship with your mom but I've never been able to because it's this is not your fault. It's not your fault, okay? It is not your fault. Yeah, no, but no. before you guys got here, 
your my mom your mom was my best friend mm-hmm. i would I would call her every day after school. I would tell her what was going on in my life. I would ask her for advice. But it was like the second you guys got here, I told your brother this. It was like the second you guys got here was like your mom sort of put me on the side of the road with the trash. And she didn't forget. It was like she just said, I don't have time for you and I need to go do this. Another thing that I, I another thing that I don't know if you noticed growing, growing up, but you know, uh, when, when you were uh, an Irish step dancer or when, or when you were doing this or when you were doing whatever you were doing, I always showed up to your, to your, to your functions, right? <laughs> but your mom never showed up to one of my functions. I played organized sports for 15 years and she never showed up to not one of my functions. So, look, I understand that your mom was busy raising you and she did a magnificent job with you, obviously, because you're a teacher, you're well-educated, you're well-spoken, great and good. But I really never, like, like, it was like I was, it was like I was striving for a, attention from somebody who, who wasn't sort of receptive or didn't want to bother or just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you, how do you um, view oh. the situation from what you, from, from what? I told you. Well, you know, um, I will just also say, don't want to talk crap on my mom either, but I will say that I, a lot of times in our bad times, like our rough patch, like, which is basically all middle school and high school, I definitely felt the same way. I felt like, um, you know, I feel like I went through a lot and she never tried to understand or even ask me about it. Um, I think that my mom, has obviously she has a side of her that is so like warm and fun loving and welcoming you know she loves to host people and she loves to have fun but there's also a side to her that can be very distant um and can be kind of like closed off um so unfortunately like i'm not very you know surprised to say um, of course, again, not like saying that I'm like something's like she's a bad person or anything like that. Everyone has their their flaws and their faults. But um, and again, going back to that situation with the girl and her mom and Tata and everything, um, she might have like not wanted maybe like a conflict of interest. Maybe she didn't want to get in the middle of it. Maybe she, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe her mom and the girl made my mom feel like bad about it. Maybe she felt like bad or embarrassed or something. To, so she just deflected it. You know what I mean? Like maybe, I don't know. Your mom has often said when I come over for dinner, because I see you guys a lot. <laughs> and when I often say stuff, I'm like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And like, your mom is like, oh, we, why didn't you tell us this? And I'm like, excuse me, guys. Car- I'm like, they know who your mom is. So I'm like, Carmen, <laughs> if you want to know about my life, all you have to do is reach out. But she's never done that as, as to me as an adult. She's never said, oh, I want to see what he's doing or I want to see what he's up to. Look, and I get it. I get it. All, all of us have our own lives and we have our own things. I understand that. But if mm-hmm. somebody... But it's almost like she wants she wants to know everything about me without putting in any effort. And I'm like, 
Like what? Like yeah. So it's very frustrating. I mean, I I I don't mean to turn this podcast into a complaint fest, mm-hmm. but I've always wondered if it's the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I've always wondered if there was something wrong with me, or if I was handling the situation incorrectly, or did you deal with some of this as you got older, or um. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, definitely to an extent. Um, I will say what makes it different for me, though, is that I am under the same roof as her. So if I do want her to know something about me, I just come out and say, it. you know what I mean? Like, I don't really give her a choice like to ask. I don't wait for her to ask me. I'll just say it or whatever it is. Um, one one way that she might think of it is that, you know, maybe her having you and that the over for dinner is when she that is her way of doing it you know how people like communicate in different ways or whatever like that might be her way of showing her care and interest in you by having you over and things like that she she definitely is not I mean she's like always on her phone but she's also not that good at being on her phone if that makes sense you know what I mean like she loves to go on Instagram and stuff but she's also not like calling or texting like I mean, this is something that I, that you might remember, like her best friend, Lisa, I always say to her that she should call her and text her more and like, make sure she's okay. Especially like, cause my mom will feel like sad and lonely sometimes, especially when Dougie's in Texas and I'm in the city and it's just her here on a Friday night. Like I know she gets lonely sometimes and I'm like, you have people you can reach out to, but you don't. So that's, I think to an extent her problem, you know, I've always been, you know, I'm thrilled to hear that because I've always wondered and I've had no person to sort of talk to this about i mean i wanted to approach this with another guest on the show but he didn't want to go there so i didn't yeah yeah i basically i wanted i wanted to approach this with doug and we had a chat and you know he said look we could talk about anything but i don't want to go there so fine you don't have to go there uh and the conversation we had was quite illuminating it's it's really nice to hear that i wasn't i wasn't the cause of it because I oh, always thought no. I always thought that there was something wrong with me or that I did something wrong. No, I don't think so. Um, um, yeah, or this maybe... is something this is something I don't want to get into very much, but I don't think you're the only person, let's say, in your household who kind of um, maybe holds her back from communicating more. Does that make sense? She has her own, you know. Yeah. Um, issues with another person who you're very close with. <laughs> we won't mention any names. Not that, that, but we won't mention any names. Yeah. But you know, I've tried to talk to her about that too. I think you know who I'm talking oh, really? about. Did that? But just on, did that get anywhere? Um, it did, but it did. She did tell me how she feels, but it's like, okay, so why don't you do something about it? You know what I mean? But I think she more is tries sometimes avoids things than dealing with them. Um, so yeah, that's a whole other yeah. topic. She sometimes doesn't find herself, you know, going over to your place or having you guys over even more than she does. If that makes yeah. sense. Just to be, just to be clear. You guys haven't been over here in ages. I can't remember I the last time you guys have been over here. I've always wanted a deeper understanding of my of Carmen and I've never been able to get it and I didn't know that having you on the show was going to give me that but I think I I think I have what I've always wanted now I was like I get it now and I understand that it wasn't just me no absolutely not 
one last comment on it. I think that, you know, my mom, like everyone, like myself, like you, like literally everyone, they have things that have affected them that maybe they haven't dealt with. And I think that people act the way they do, whether it's not communicating feelings or not staying in touch, whatever, whatever the, the maybe bad habit or flaw, whatever they have, I think comes from something that maybe that person hasn't dealt with themselves. Of course, we know my mom had, and our whole family has been through so much in so many different ways, you know, even from her childhood. So her whole upbringing has probably affected her in ways that she doesn't even realize because she's just maybe never dealt with them. And then it, what is that word? It um, projects onto the people in her life. And then we get the brunt of it, you know, but, and I'm not saying that's just the that's just for my mom. I think that is for humans at large. You know what I mean? Like everyone has their flaws that are, I think for a reason, and then they affect others, you know? How did you meet your current uh, boyfriend now or the, or the oh. individual that you're going out with now? That's a great question. Um, so it's actually a funny story. Um, my current boyfriend and I, we actually kind of knew of each other. You know, we live in this great time of social media. Um, so if you use it correctly. Yes, exactly. Um, no, we we knew of each other. We definitely had crossed paths and paths in high school. Um, just me living in Austining, him living in Austining. Um like I said, me going to parties or whatever in high school and even past high school, like in college, just going to local bars. Like we are, we always like saw each other and like we knew of each other and followed each other on social media, on Instagram and Snapchat. Um, years ago, I remember when I was living in Europe, he was planning to go on a trip to Barcelona and wanted recommendations or wanted like to find out some info. And he messaged me and he was like, Hey, I know you've been there. Like anything, any place to like, where should I go? So we talked briefly once years ago. And then um, in the summer of not this past summer, the summer before. So summer 2020, uh, we kind of reconnected via social media, to be honest. <laughs> um, okay. Snapchat, you know, he, we were snap. We started Snapchatting somehow. I guess he must have sent me a Snapchat and I sent him a Snapchat. And then um, we I finally said to him, like, hey, why don't we grab a drink rather than just you know, being on social media. So we did. And that was in August of 2020. And our first date went really well. It was really fun. You know, the conversation went smoothly, no awkwardness, nothing like that. Um, and then, yeah, then he actually, he was living at home at the time. Then he moved into an apartment in Manhattan. He had an apartment warming party and invited me. So I went to that and that was like mid September, end of September, 2020. And I didn't know what to expect at all. Like I, like in a way, I almost like, obviously we had gone on our first date before this, but this night was like, when I was like, kind of like, okay, like realized that he was interested in me and that I was maybe interested in him. Um, I I didn't expect anything when I showed up to this party, I was like, oh, you know, uh, this probably won't go anywhere. He just moved to the city. Like I'm sure he's going to be going out and, you know, meeting so many people and whatever. But when I got to the party, it was like, he told all his friends about me already like everyone was like oh like you're the girl that Stephen invited and I was like oh my gosh the star of the show here I did not expect that at all you know like I just thought that I just thought I was going to be like you know in the corner of the party like with my own friends like just you know just there for the party to have fun not because you know he wanted to 
you know, sure. further our relationship okay. or, you know, make it known that he like was interested in me in that way. I remember that night he told one of my friends, he was like, yeah, I, I would really like to date Deanna. And I was like, oh my God, I didn't know. <laughs> you know, I, I just, I was very surprised in a good way. I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, so yes, yeah, so it's after that, it was steady. We, we went out for my birthday, which was not too long after in November, we went out to dinner. Um, and then it actually became, it didn't become official until January, 2021. So we okay. kind of, you know, got to know each other, went on some dates between uh, like September and January. When you first told me that you were dating this guy called this guy, I was like, why does that name sound familiar? And then you said his and I'm like, you, how, how, why this doesn't make. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy is. Well, well, technically, technically, I'm going to be honest with you right now. I knew of him, but I have never physically met him before mm -hmm. but after i met him i'm like this he's a really stand-up guy and he's a he's a great individual from my point of view so yeah i'm just wishing that you know it works out and that you guys stay together even if you don't stay together you still have to give me permission to talk to him because i think yeah. that he's a really cool guy um, i agree i think he's definitely like the best definitely the best person that i've dated or ever met um so yeah i got really lucky and he got lucky too You've been known to indulge in 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 sort of illegal substances, <laughs> semi. -illegal Not illegal anymore. Not illegal anymore. But <laughs> as 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 a as a disabled individual, I have pains that you'll never know, and I have things like that. So for someone like me, would you recommend like a legal? cannabis license um oof that's tough because i'm not a doctor but i think it depends so with the knowledge i do have of the subject i think it depends on the type right so there's thc and cbd the thc might like i don't know how it'll affect your like psyche like your your brain you know you might love it or it might make you have a panic attack <laughs> um you, you know, sometimes, and again, there's also two different types of THC. There's this, there's the sativa and indica, the sativa. That's typically the one that makes people like freak out because it's kind of like a hyperactive. No, no, not hallucinogen, just more intense, like more like, um, it kind of like not gives you energy, but then well, when I explain the other one, it makes more sense. The indica is more the type that you're not going to want to move from the couch, you know, and you might fall asleep with like a chip in your mouth. The other one is the more that is like kind of like can make you like paranoid, I guess you could say. Um, then there's the CBD, which the CBD I have like come to know more for it's more beneficial for like physical pains and, and like um, anxiety kind of, but you don't feel it like you don't get high from it. Like it's just kind of like um, that might that is definitely I think something that you can absolutely try like CBD. They have it in oil form. They have it in, um, I think edible form, like, like a gummy vitamin almost that I think there's absolutely no harm in doing that could be really good for, like you said, the physical pains and stuff. Um, the other type you could try, it may not, I don't know. <laughs> I, throughout my life, I've experienced people who have totally freaked out from it, even, you know, myself at times, but other times it's fun and, you know, funny, you know, you watch a good movie, you laugh and eat some food and you have some munchies and that's about it. So it depends. I think you should try the CBD to start. That'd be good. Mm -hmm. 
you've indulged in like regular pot and stuff like that, yeah? Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Yeah. So when you smoke, and I assume you still do, right? Um, occasionally now. Not I, I used okay. to a lot, but now it's like every I don't know, once a month or okay. yeah. see, here's the thing. The the funniest thing was when you know when we were growing up, right? Uh, uh, my, my dad, your uh, your uncle had a see, and my 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 podcasters know this because I did a whole episode about this. But my 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 uncle had a serious problem with substance abuse and shit like that. He had mm-hmm. a really rough time with that, mm-hmm. and as a result, uh, Tata has a humongous problem with you know, unnecessary drugs or whatever. He doesn't believe in medication, basically. Mm-hmm. And if I were to ask my doctor, hey, can I just, you know, what do I have to do to get a legal license to purchase pot brownies or edible gummies? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I could do that, but the problem is, because I, because I live under his roof, I think that he would worry that I would get addicted to like and i'm like i'm not gonna get addicted to that because i when i because you know i drink a lot you know this Mm -hmm. but over the past month or so or over the past year over the my one of my new year's resolutions is to drink a lot less i only drink on the weekends now Mm -hmm. i don't i don't drink at all during the week and i feel better my stomach is shrinking it's going great that's good but I've always wanted to try pot or edibles, but the thing is, I don't think I don't think that they would let me do it. I think that he would be afraid, and I don't. So, uh, so if I'm gonna do something like that, that'll be later in life. But it's really it's really good to hear your thoughts on the matter and the ones that you think I should go for, because uh, another one of my friends says, "Hey, yeah, uh, another one of my friends." Um, spoke to another one of our friends and he basically sold him on the benefits and sort of the sort of the disadvantage sort of the disadvantages of smoking pot or smoking edibles and i explained my situation to them because there are days when i wake up and i'm like my body is not cooperating there are days when i wake up and i can't even walk goddamn straight Mm. and i'm like i i can't do anything I, I can't tell well i could tell him i could tell that to listen my body is shit right now but there's nothing you can do the only right. person that can do something about it is me or i just have to sit down and and calm the fuck down and find a way to calm my muscles down so mm-hmm. i think in situations like that the gummies would help rather yeah. than rather than having to take a a, a standard medication or something like that that can that can screw up my liver if you take a cbd gummy edible whatever they have it in all different forms um even oil or lotion like if you want to put it on your like your knees or your joints like you can even do that that is something that's not going to visibly affect you you know so if that that comes in is like (laughs) what the hell is wrong you know you know like you're not going to be like stoned Mm -hmm. out of your mind from it like it's you can have the benefits of it and he might not even have to know I hope he doesn't listen. Sorry, Tata. No, he doesn't listen to the show. The CBD is so, like, even my dog, Remy, takes CBD because he's an anxious dog. No, I swear. He takes CBD. Hold up. 
Okay, go, go. I, I still can, I, I can't believe this, but go, go, go. Yeah, dogs, dogs take CBD. Animals like to have CBD. Yeah, it's good for them. It's good. It has so many benefits. The other one, the other type, like, you know, THC, that I would say we'd have to do like some type of stealth mission of you doing it here and then us, me getting you home without that to finding out because I don't want to be in trouble for it. Yeah, I mean, but the CBD, I can absolutely get for you and you won't, you know, you won't be like, like, what's the word? Um, like under the influence. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, and they sell those in grocery stores and, and uh, pharmacies, they sell it now, like everywhere. You know, but I've always said, and I've spoken to my, because I, because my friends know about my family, because I talk about you guys a lot. I'm very proud of you guys. Hmm. Um, And I said to them, if I'm ever going to get high, I have complete faith that if I do decide to go there one day, I'll call you up and say, listen, I want to do this, but I want to do this so like we can go out to dinner one night or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and you can say, hey, I'm going to take him for the evening. Yeah. And you just watch me just just to make yeah. sure. I mean, and, I've been and through Steven, some... And Steven can help too. Like if Steven's around, like, you know, because I know that that helps you walk and maybe I'm not like the strongest person to do that. But if Steven, he would totally be in on the plan no, too. No, <laughs> I, I just, you know, I'll just bring my chair. That's easy. So, so yeah, neither of you... No, but um, no, but I've like I've always wanted to try these things, and I've always been sort of afraid to do that because I know that the stance on drugs, which is justified considering everything that yeah. uh, everything that my dad went through, your yeah. uncle. So yeah. you know, it was just it's just really cool um to hear your thoughts on subject because this is stuff that I've always wanted to bring up, but it mm-hmm. doesn't really work well in like standard conversation, and we're yeah. like when we're around everybody. Yeah, because I can guarantee if I brought this up at a family function, they wouldn't take it seriously. They would make fun no. of me, and the fact my that mom would start making fun of me. <laughs> yeah, the the fact that you took it seriously and you actually heard me and you actually suggested, you actually made some really good suggestions and stuff like that. Um, you don't actually have a, a official license, right? No, You're a doctor. No, I don't. Okay. I don't. Um, but. That you know, there's no problem finding. Even in New York City now, you go into a bodega. I don't know, probably not around here, but in New York City, you can go into like a bodega, deli, whatever, and you can literally buy weed there. Like it's so it's basically legal at this point. You know, New York is just a little behind California, but yeah, um, yeah no, I don't have one. But my friend's dad actually does. I feel really bad. He has really bad cancer, uh, but he ha- he has a medical card for that. See, if I was going to do something like this, which I am. I'm gonna do eventually. Mm-hmm. I would probably go your friend's route. I'll probably get a just just to be just to cover my ass. Yeah, because you know I don't want to go to jail. Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> you guys always complain about how when we get together at family functions, they don't have any new drunk stories to tell. They tell the same one of me <laughs> uh-huh. getting drunk with the screwdriver. They tell mm-hmm. the same one every time. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you the first time that I met this my friend in person he got me so fucking he got me drunk off my ass (laughs) oh no and the thing that was terrifying is that we were in the house and i was like dude i like i physically booted so yeah i like 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 we were drinking uh yeah we were drinking i think it was bourbon or something and i i was like this is, I think it was like bourbon with some flavor. And I was like, this is great. I kept drinking. All of a sudden, I'm like, dude, 
get the trash bin. And I'm like, I just booted. And luckily it went all in trash bin. So my friend was like, uh, okay. So, you know, and then for some no. reason we started to have some wine and shit like that. And I spilled it on the floor and then just all the fucking crap. Oh my God. That's crazy. So <laughs> what, um, uh, what my what my friend ended up, ended up doing was, he's like, uh, so how are we gonna do this? Because if your grandfather finds out that you got drunk, he'll never let me he'll he'll never let me see you again. So I'm like, it's fine. We're gonna this is the story. So we concocted the story, and the next morning everything was fine. But you're like, you're probably thinking, how did he get rid of the puke? What did he do? So after he had made sure that I was fine, he took the bag. He took the bag. I gave him the keys to the house. He ran downstairs. He threw the bag out, and then he replaced all the bags. And he and he and he and he, and he, uh, he went shopping, and he bought some like aerosols. Oh my gosh, that's so funny! <laughs> and he and he sprayed the room full like aerosol. I mean, within <laughs> within, the, within like thirty minutes, the fucking room smelled like pine salt. <laughs> it was it was that uh, was a good plan he um he helped me get out of my clothes and the cool thing is that he you know helped you know he uh lied me down and the, and the coolest thing that he says he said to me look i want you to sleep like this because if you throw up you need to be like this because if you're like this you might choke so he made sure that i was properly situated in the bed so just in case i wouldn't uh, just in case i put i wouldn't choke on it yeah but that was one of the funniest and one of the most kind things I've have had it anybody ever do to me because I've never been drunk like that. The only time, the only other time that I got drunk like that, I had a Fredo with me, uh-huh. and that was on the that was on the screwdrivers, uh, you know. And and then the other time that I got really really snotty drunk was on, I got snotty drunk on drunk on uh, white wine, on red wine oh, one God. night. Oh Check this out. <laughs> this is yeah. even funnier. So I got, so we were here, just a regular Saturday night, and for some reason Tata said, hey, I want to drink some wine. You want to drink some wine with me? I'm like, yeah, sure. For for you guys at home, I'm not a wine drinker, I'm a beer drinker. So I had, I was like, this is good. He's like, what wine is it? And he says, he says, it's like, I don't know what kind it was. But within like two or three, I had like two or three glasses, maybe four or five glasses of wine. And by the end of the physical dinner, I was like, my head is really hurting. I was like, fuck. Uh, so I tried to, listen, I stood up and the second I stood up, the room started going, it's, everything started like, spins. yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. Do not, do not show them that you are drunk off your ass because if you show them right now that you're drunk off their ass, number one, they're going to be really pissed. Number two, they're gonna they're gonna never let you drink alcohol again. So you need to be as cautious as you can right now, and and walk as slowly as you can right now back to your room. You need to just and I swear, every step I took, it felt like I was gonna it felt like I was gonna die. It felt like I was gonna fall. <laughs> it felt like I was gonna puke. It felt so fucking bad. So when I got back when I got back to the room. I, I got back here safely and I sa- said, you know what? I think this is just a headache. It's not that bad. So I turned on the TV. Oh, that was such a bad idea because <laughs> it, sucked, 
second I turned on the TV, it just got worse and worse and worse. And I felt mm. so bad and I wanted to puke so bad, but I knew I couldn't I couldn't puke. I couldn't physically run to the bathroom and puke. Yeah. If if they knew that I was drunk off my ass, they would never let me drink again. So I'm like, what the fuck am I gonna do? Because I feel awful. <laughs> oh my god. So you know what, what did I you did? do? I lie in the bed. I put on some music or something and I lied sideways. I didn't bring the the I didn't even bring the trash bin towards me because I knew if they if I bring the trash bin they're gonna know something is up. When when they came to say goodnight, they said, Hey, good night, and I was like, Good night. But they never really looked at me or checked at me or asked me how I was doing. So when they finally went to sleep, I was like, Should I risk it? Should I stand up? I'm like I don't think that's a good idea. So I just so I just stayed there the entire night. I felt awful. I felt awful. So I spent the entire night curled up on my bed sideways, wishing to God I was dead. And, <laughs> yeah, it's the worst feeling. And and wishing to God I could throw up, but I couldn't throw up. But anyway, in the morning, yeah. it, it had gone down. I had made it. I hadn't puked at all. I don't know how I didn't puke because... <laughs> Because God help me, I wanted to puke so fucking. You have no idea. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. Yeah, but uh, those are those are some interesting stories. So when they when 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 they say uh, you don't have any interesting drunk stories, you know that I have some. <laughs> now I know. Now I have blackmail on you. <laughs> yeah, you, you could definitely blackmail me. I've been lucky that I've only gotten massively drunk two times, but I remember the 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 first time that you got really really drunk it was a new year's eve party i don't even want to go there okay no no so i i would just say it took place in new year's and the way that the family reacted to it i'll just say was kind of humorous and funny but bad yeah it was bad it was so bad (laughs) yeah but yeah but you you remember right because come on it's gotta yeah no i remember um deanna um if the good folks at home want to find you for any reason, do you have any social media where they could follow your exploits online and 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 you know sort of sure sort of discover yeah. what an awesome person you are? Um, yeah, sure. I would say my my Instagram is probably the best one that I use. Um, it's Shmiana, so not Deanna, but Shmiana. S-H-M-E-A-N-N-A. And uh, although I am on private and I if I don't recognize the person at all, I will might not accept, but um, it's worth giving it a try. Do you also want to mention your other Instagram that this is, is, is dedicated to food? Oh, yes. Actually, that's my public one. I totally forgot. Thank you. Um, Deets. It's D-E-E-A-T-S, like D-E-E-T-S, uh, 96. And that is actually something new I've started because I'm a big foodie. That's a whole other thing. So, yeah. Um, Absolutely, they can follow me on that one. All right. Uh, so, you know, I hope you had fun today, but uh, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. And um, if you if you ever want to come back, you're always welcome to do so. Thank you. All right, guys. So that'll do it for this edition of the Red Wall Podcast, episode number 93, entitled Spider Monkey. If you could... If you guys could do me a quick favor before you click off to go listen to something else, if you like what I do here, I would appreciate a comment, a like, or a subscribe 
on whatever podcast service you happen to be listening to me on at this very point in time. But as always, until next time, I'll see you when I see you. The Renwall Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.